Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Maury Rutch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. <laughs> I think there must be something wrong with me, Spoon. Season four is here, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> I like podcasting and talking with you, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. <laughs> uh, I wish I could have a good Linus retort for that, but... Um... Not up. I'm not up on my lines. I'm up in my lines. <laughs> How do you feel, Spoon? Well, I feel quite jolly. Thank you very much. Ho, 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 ho. Uh, if people haven't figured this out yet, we're actually going to be focusing on uh, music that has a wintry theme or holiday theme to it. So ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 hold on a minute. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Are we going to make a whole episode? Are we going to make a ho, ho, ho episode? Well, that could get obnoxious. Are we going to make a complete episode about this, or do you think we have enough material? Oh, I think we do. Um, in fact, when I was thinking about it, all of a sudden, all kinds of um, ideas and music came to me that I had you know, basically not thought about in a very long time. So I'm glad we... Uh, we thought about trying to do this kind of themed program for this time of year. How about, I'll let you go first. I'm thinking of winter wonderlands and snowmen and hot chocolate, and I'm just going to kick back and let you take the reins. <laughs> See what I did there? And I you go do, first. I do. Well, speaking of winter wonderland, of course, that's a song that's been recorded by a zillion people. And um, I have my own Christmas playlist uh, so I was, uh, I'm going to throw it back at you at first to ask you, when you think of uh, Christmas, of course, Christmas, for those of us who have celebrated Christmas one way or the other, um, we associate it mainly with childhood memories and, and or seeing other uh, younger relatives going through their childhood holiday experiences. When you were a kid growing up, can you think of any particular Christmas music uh, from your childhood that were either played around the house or at houses where you would go or around town or, you know, anything in particular um, that come, might come to mind? Well, I'm going to give away my age when I say this, but 100% without even thinking about it, Rankin and Bass, those old cartoons that had, um, we'll probably find out more about those shows as we talk about it together, because I, I probably don't know a lot of the specifics, but there was some Gene Autry music, and there's, there's stuff that was on the radio at the time, but Rankin and Bass music, whether it was Santa Claus is Coming to Town, uh, re really just the proprietary songs in those shows, like uh, Heat Miser, Snow Miser, that kind of stuff, that's exactly and automatically what I think of when I think of Christmas really period but especially when someone asked me to think of my my youth and growing up as a little kid that's the stuff that christmas really makes me think of immediately and uh it's we you know we still try to watch it as often as we can these days but that's what i go right to well that's interesting that you would say that because it does date you it dates you as being uh significantly younger than i am because the rankin and bass thing sort of well, came out kind of late for me in terms of the influence of that stuff and so that's fascinating because, of course, for me, you already gave away some of my childhood Christmas uh, music memories, and that is the Vince Guaraldi's Trio's soundtrack to a Charlie Brown's Christmas. 
Ah. And, and that that there's there were two records. I mean, when I you know I have to say I until modern times I didn't realize how old that special really is. I'm pretty sure it debuted in 1965, possibly even 1964. So certainly too young for me to remember it at the time. So of course, when you're a little kid, you don't always realize when you're watching reruns, you know, and you see when you see something for the first time, it's a you know, it has an impactful effect on you. And, and that was certainly the case with me. But my dad was a big, cool jazz fan. And so he loved that music. And for people, most people are familiar with the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. Um, certainly Linus and Lucy, if not the other stuff on it. But some of the slower numbers with those brush drums and that upright bass and stuff, that played in our house every Christmas Eve as long as I can remember. And, uh, and I think a lot of us, you know, related to the special Charlie Brown's Christmas. And I, I grew up in what looked like a very similar town and went to a very similar school, you know, that it, that's depicted in that TV special. <laughs> and, uh, and I still listen to it. I decorate when I put my uh, holiday uh, decorations up. I listen to Charlie Brown's Christmas as the lead-in to my playlist still to this day. And... Um, you know, it just has a lot, a lot of uh, very happy, evocative memories for me. But I really like the music too, um, and it's that certainly that's. Uh, and I know that you, you know, you, you yourself are a big fan of uh, Schultz and and his Peanuts strip and the TV shows. So I know you also are familiar with that music. But yes, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That also predates the ones you're talking about. But with Burl Ives singing "Holly Jolly Christmas." and silver and gold, you know, those things. And um, and my parents never owned the Burl Ives Christmas album, but I certainly had neighbors and friends who uh, who would play that record. So I, uh, um, a lot of people don't, don't remember what a uh, powerful uh, influence he was in, in the folk music scene. And in a way, he wasn't as controversial as the Weavers, but uh, in addition to being, you know, in, in Hollywood films as an actor, in the early 50s and on up through and probably late 40s, he was an early uh, what they called uh, cover song artist. And back then, that basically meant he was covering songs by African-American artists that couldn't get played on mainstream radio. And so a lot of his early folk uh, ballads and songs um, like John Henry and things like that were, you know, had come about from him. Uh, covering songs that uh, people like Josh White had uh, made popular in the African-American communities. So, um, but by the time I was a kid, I just saw him as this funny old man who was on occasional you know, TV shows and, and, of course, is the voice for the wonderful snowman and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and then I guess we have to add in How the Grinch uh, Stole Christmas, that amazing Dr. Seuss special with Boris Karloff uh, reading the book and being the voice of the Grinch. And that guy's actor, I used to know his name, who uh, also did the voice of Tony the Tiger and many other cartoon characters uh, singing those songs. Um, and I just saw a parody of, of that uh, main Mr. Grinch song on YouTube where somebody took the old Star Trek cartoon and did it. <laughs> uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Spock. <laughs> and, and doing it in somebody impersonating, basically using, it's one of those things where they cherry pick words from a character and, and stick them together. So it's uh, Dr. McCoy singing this song about 
you know, Spock having no heart and being, you know, having an empty heart and being a log- <laughs> nothing but logic and all that. It's pretty funny. But anyway, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to go there at all with the Christmas special, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah, and you might not believe it, but I've never really watched The Grinch until I got married. Lori's family uh, came from that point of view, and it was one of those things where we, you know, we met in the, the mid-90s and uh, got married in 98, and it was soon after that. We were, you know, holidays come up and it's like, you don't watch what? You've never seen who? <laughs> you know? And I said, well, if, you know, and to bring it back full circle, I said, I'll, I'll watch that with you, but you have to watch Charlie Brown Christmas. And I know we started the top of this program. You asked me, what do I immediately think of uh, when you talk about childhood memories at Christmas? But if you would have phrased that differently and allowed me to tell you, Charlie Brown Christmas might be my favorite lately. And I, I certainly get extremely nostalgic at every opportunity and when the holidays come that's one of the four or five albums that i spin um if you guys listening know what albums were i i spotify them now and i stream them now they're in my car from my phone but the point is i i reach for charlie brown and uh the the grinch i mean i'm going to be in my mid-50s soon and i spent 40 some years having no idea what the grinch was it just wasn't wasn't my jam but now i'm it's one of the movies that we do watch every year well, I, I have to say, I don't get to see it every year. I, I used to love, you know, waiting for it to show up in TV Guide or whatever when it was going to be on. And, <laughs> uh, and I owned it on DVD for a long, long time, but I have no idea where my DVD went. But yes, and I, you know, when you talk about spinning records, uh, growing up, well, all the way up and through adolescence, and, and uh, you know, I had mentioned how... When you're young, you don't really realize you're seeing a, a you know, a rerun, and uh, that makes me think of when I was quite young, probably four years old. My first crush ever was Annette Funicello from the Mickey Mouse Club, and I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't know I was watching reruns from many years before, so I didn't know that she was the same person that was in the movies, the Disney movies, and they, you know, the B- Bikini Beach movies. With Frankie Avalon, I didn't understand. It was I remember somebody trying to explain to me it was the same person, and I thought they were nuts. But, but, uh, <laughs> but same thing with Charlie Brown. You know, I, when I first discovered it, I thought I was seeing. You know, everybody was seeing it for the first time. Didn't realize that it had been around. And sure. and I think the same thing happens with music. With me, I realized a lot of music that I grew up listening to in my adolescence. I'm always surprised. There are many albums that are as old as 1968-1969 that I always assumed were from much later in the 70s because I didn't even I didn't discover them, you know, and I didn't really discover the artist and start listening to them. And I think the same thing can hold true with holiday music. But in my home on Christmas Eve with one of those record players that could drop the LP on top of other LPs automatically so you could like stack five albums we always had charlie's brown christmas and we always had george winston's album december which is entirely solo piano and quite evocative and quite beautiful and like the first piece is called thanksgiving and some of them are you know have some recognized hollywood melody in them but for the most part it's him uh, making these comp- compositions that is just very beautiful and the kind of thing you would have like at wine and cheese parties and that sort of thing. So that, you know, those two would o- often repeat, particularly by the time we got into uh, eight tracks and cassettes, where sometimes those things would get put on and just be left while everybody was merry-making. But actually, my real intention was to start talking about uh, Christmas music that, you know, 
people uh, listen to uh, Christmas albums. You know, of course, there's a trillion Christmas albums out there by popular artists. Some of them are quite traditional. And I've never been into the traditional ones. I've always been into the more interesting ones, whether it's country and roots music artists, whether it's jazz artists and so forth. And uh, my older sister is much more into that sort of thing. She's got an enormous collection. But I remember Ella Fitzgerald's Christmas album, which she must have recorded in probably 64. That's, you know, it's, a, it's you know, basically swing music uh, Christmas stuff and, you know, swing and, and the sort of jazz that she sang to. That was always great fun. Um, and and looking some of these up, I've forgotten about a lot of these. I uh, I had completely forgotten that Jimmy Buffett's got a Christmas album that I've heard people playing in the past. And oh, I didn't know. So I'm looking forward to people who... Um, People who are uh, listening to this podcast and and want to comment on in the comments on uh, on YouTube uh, what some of your favorite Christmas albums you know and by what artists there's all kinds of them but there's also some that are of course uh, guitar instrumentalists and since we're, this is Martin's and more I just wondering if you can think of any uh, winter holiday or Christmas sort of uh, oriented album uh that's uh, uh you know like solo acoustic uh music oh you teed this up perfectly i cannot help but say l mcmean and i, th- I was really proud of myself because that's first on my list he has an album called the spirit of christmas guitar and when i went to look for it online to put some links in the show notes i also found it called the soul of christmas guitar i thought you know what I don't know which one's current. I better ask him. So he was nice enough to tell me. I gave him a quick email and I said, listen, Spoon and I are going to be talking about Christmas music. And of course, you're going to be coming up in the conversation. What is this album called? And he said the updated version is The Spirit of Christmas Guitar. Uh, But our good friend Reese Ord would agree with me whenever I post this on Facebook at this time of year annually to tell everybody, go get this album. It's so good. It's, it's become a staple for me, not only because we know Elle McMean, but it's just such a great, beautiful album full of acoustic tone. Really, really, without gushing, I don't want to say so much that just proves I'm a fanboy, but the way he approaches these songs and the arrangements, it's such a great, great acoustic album. And even if we weren't acoustic-centric and Martin-centric with this conversation, I would ask you, if you're, if you're looking for something to listen to at the holidays, it's just such a winner. I, I love it to death. Well, I would say you kind of stole my thunder, too, because I was going to mention that, too. And I will say, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had the CD long ago, and now if you buy it online with the electronic music, uh, it comes with bonus tracks. So um, there's a, you oh. know, there's like a... Um, Hey, uh, Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring, the Bach, the Bach piece that it, lots of people do, and in the bleak midwinter that he does in some kind of yeah. Everybody who knows El know that he primarily plays almost exclusively, but uh, in uh, Celtic C tuning, and um, so you can get down and have this nice low C bass, and it's similar to Dadgad, but instead of D A in the bass, you have uh, uh, C G in the bass. And so it's got a nice low bass to it. But he does some sort of high strung, I don't know if it's a natural tuning or what he's doing uh, in the bleak midwinter, which is very cool. And, and there's other uh, bonus tracks as well. So you guys may want to check that out um, when you can. Again, it comes highly recommended by both of us. Um, I'll add to that, of course, Lawrence Schuber. 
he has a winter guitar uh, CD that I enjoy very much, and some of it has uh, music that's more holiday-oriented, um, and some of it isn't, like, Christmas-oriented necessarily. But some of the more Christmassy-oriented tunes, like Holly and the Ivy, uh, and I think God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, I believe, I have in my Christmas playlist that's, that is Christmas stuff. So in addition to Charlie's Brown Christmas, I have stuff from his album. You know, and it sometimes gets me thinking, um, uh, Lawrence, you know, basically being a man of the world, certainly, and one of the great guitarists, and Dick Boak, uh, retired from Martin, um, has said more than once that in his opinion, based on all the guitarists, he's known that Lawrence Juber is arguably the greatest guitarist in the world. So for those of you who are not that familiar with him, look him up. And like a lot of uh, instrumentalists, seeing him perform is really a revelation uh, in addition to like, you know, listening to his music. So check him out. Um, and I think it's you know, interesting that, um, that Lawrence is Jewish and though they, you know, they're pretty secular about it and in terms of celebrating ho their holidays. And, um, but I thought it was fascinating that some of the greatest Christmas songs of all time were written by Jewish composers, and or you know, or at least co-written, and these oh, really? include this. These include traditionals like White Christmas, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and the Christmas song that uh, Nat King Cole, the Nat Cole made so famous, "Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow," which is Sammy Kahn and, and Jules Stein and Julie Stein. But I, I don't I don't remember all of the composers for all of these. But, of course, Gershwin, you know, uh, with White Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, Santa Baby, that I remember Eartha Kitt uh, doing, because that was, uh, again, right in my father's wheelhouse, the music from that era. Silver Bells. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised that uh, Fairy Tale in New York, uh, the Pogue song that a lot of people associate with the late uh, Shane McGowan, who just... Uh, McGowan, who just uh, passed away uh, last week, and is one of the just every time I hear that song, I, it chokes me up. And when they hit that chorus and the boys of the NYPD choir was singing Galway Bay and all that, um, that, um, that was also uh, co-written by a J Jewish songwriter. So uh, I think that's pretty, uh, you know, fascinating. And just, you know, goes to show how... Uh, how the spirit of Christmas can certainly be understood and shared by a lot of people, uh, whether they are, you know, uh, you know, religious, uh, you know, and, and practice in that regard or not. Um, so I thought that was all pretty cool. So yeah, Juber's Winter CD is a favorite of mine. I have, uh, you know, uh, I don't think I have everything he's ever put out, but I have most of uh, most of his albums, and. Uh, try to see him anytime he's coming through uh, New York City. So there's a, a couple of uh, instrumental uh, CDs. Um, I cannot think of any others off the top of my head, but I know they're out there. Um, While you're thinking so, about that, I just have to say to our listeners, we're only about 20 minutes in. If you had Lawrence Juber and El McMean on your bingo card when you saw what this episode was called, uh, you're already <laughs> ahead of the game because it's uh, talk about predictable. I mean, you probably were like, when are they going to talk about those guys? And it's just we these are our microphones and we're allowed to tell you what we like and we're not going to stop in season four. So carry on. OK, so. <laughs> 
All right, here's another one for you all that some of you may know and love, and it's not Perry Como, and it's <laughs> not... Uh, <laughs> Hold on, is it Tim Pericomo? And it's not Andy Williams, and it's not the Vienna Boy Choir, um, and it's not even the uh, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers Christmas album, which I know many of you must love dearly. Um, This is, in fact, the uh, uh, fundraising, you know, um, charity album that was put out called A Very Special Christmas. I think that's what it's called. Was it called A Very Special Christmas? Um... It's it's the album. It had different. Uh, you, your you could get it in a red or a green or probably other colors with a, a Keith Haring piece of artwork that looked like a mother and child. And here's it. I just looked up the track list. So here we go. Santa Claus is coming to town. The Pointer Sisters, Winter Wonderland by the Eurythmics. Um, Do you hear what I hear? Whitney Houston. Merry Christmas, baby, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, the Pretenders. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus, John Cougar Mellencamp. Gabriel's uh, Message by Sting. Uh, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Christmas, Baby Please Come Home by U2. Santa Baby, this one's not done by Eartha Kitt, it's done by Madonna. The Little Drummer Boy by Bob Seeger and the uh, Silver Bullet Band. Um, a song called Run, Rudolph, Run by Brian Adams. Um, I Wish Every Day Could Be Like Christmas by Bon Jovi. Uh, the Coventry Carol by Alison Moyet. And Silent Night by Stevie Nicks. So you could probably guess the approximate year that this came out based on those people. But I'll tell you, it came out for Christmas of 2006. So, um, what? so that's, a, that's another very interesting uh, uh, 2006. Christmas album. 2006. That's got to be a remake. That's, no. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it says here. I'm pretty sure that makes sense, yeah. That would have been a fun, fundraising album about that time. I thought that was 1988. I'm off base. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Well, maybe this was just the CD. But they made multiple ones. A bunch of different ones came out, but that's the one that I had. What's well, kind of funny because I, everything you read on that, I heard every other song already this year, and I had no idea they were all on the same album. I thought they were all those artists doing their own music uh, at Christmas time different years. That's pretty cool. Well, it is. I mean, some of that stuff came from particular Christmas albums. I don't think they all were actually done for that album. In fact, I know the Sting one wasn't. Sting had his own uh, has his own album called On a Winter's Night, I think, or something like that, which I enjoy very much. And I have the more directly Christmassy album uh, songs from that on my my Christmas playlist. Uh, and, as well as a, a tune called uh, Soul Cake, which is an ancient tune. Um, that really is a Halloween trick-or-treat song, um, asking people coming around and asking for fruit or a soul cake, which is basically some sort of, some sort of you know baked good. But I think it has actually more to do with the uh, All Saints Day than it does uh, Christmas. But anyway, um, there's a really cool uh, video, and they can probably see it for free now on YouTube, um, called a, a Christmas Night, you know, live whatever, where he is in um, some. Uh, very old church in England, and does this uh, with a big band. I know he does at least one uh, tune on one of his uh, very tiny little, you know, like size one uh, 19th century Bartons. 
but um, but a very big band, backup singers and all that stuff, and so that's very cool. Um, but so here's the here was the second one, and this one. Oh, you're absolutely right. That goes back to the '90s. These that wasn't rehashed. You're absolutely right. It was a remix. I don't know. That makes much more sense because this is uh, the their number two record. The follow up was 1992. So so you're uh -huh. definitely right. But this one has Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Christmas All Over Again, Randy Travis, Jingle Bell Rock. Luther Vandross, The Christmas Song, Sinatra and Sidney Lauper, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Boys to Men, The Birth of Christ, Bon Jovi again, Please Come Home for Christmas, Paul Young, What Christmas Means to Me, Aretha Franklin, Oh Christmas Tree, uh, Ronnie Spector and Darlene Love, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Michael Bolton, White Christmas, Run DMC with Christmas Is, Extreme with Christmas Time Again, Bonnie Raitt and Charles Brown, Merry Christmas Baby, Tevin Campbell, A Holy Night, Debbie Gibson, uh, that ah. dates the album, Sleigh Ride, uh, Vanessa Williams, What Child Is This, Anne and Nancy Williams, Blue Christmas, Wilson Phillips, Silent Night, and the late Sinead O'Connor in I Believe in You. Um, which uh, she was produced by Phil Ramone, so so I huh. you know I love those kind of uh, compilation albums and and I have some of that stuff on uh, on my Christmas list. Um, speaking of sleigh ride, I've got uh, Peggy Lee's version of Jingle Bells, which is pretty swinging, and um, <laughs> and uh, and that's from her Christmas album, which um, which has some really good stuff and really enjoyable and. You know, very, very lighthearted and quite fun. And that, you know, I had gotten that from my, my older sister. I never listened to that kind of music growing up. But, but uh, Peggy Lee's Christmas album is really good. Um, I also have Sinatra's version of Jingle Bells, which is even more swinging, with oh, you know, yeah. a uh, like a male chorus in the background doing all kinds of hooyays, you know, kind of stuff in harmony, <laughs> and and uh, that kind of rounds out a lot of my Christmas. Uh, playlist, but I've got to also then mention, speaking of fundraising albums, Christmas in the Heart by Bob Dylan. And it is a very fun album, and I don't think all the songs are all that successful. Uh, it's right when he's at the peak of his old man croaking Bob Dylan voice. Like, <laughs> so he sounds like an old raven croaking. And I mean, this goes way past Tom Waits and, and Leonard Cohen, Cohen in their old age. But the arrangements with little jingle bells and glockenspiels and, and these very prettily, prettily voiced backup singers that sound like somewhere between the Andrews Sisters and Santa's elves. And, you know, and he does some traditional songs, but, but some of the other ones are, you know, the more, more fun ones, like Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, must be Santa, the one that's got those where they ha keep repeating the last line of every verse, you know, and then must be Santa, must be Santa. He does that with uh, with Los Lobos, you know, and um, it's huh. a it's a great fun and and I do enjoy it, even though a few of the more traditional carols they could could have probably left off because you know there are much better versions than uh, croaking Bob Dylan <laughs> for when for. Uh, you know, do you hear what I hear? But, um, but um, and then I rounded off with some stuff from uh, Silent Night by uh, Chet Baker and Zoot Sims. Uh, Chet Baker was, you know, Chet Baker was my dad's Bob Dylan. He was, uh, when he was the young man, 
and you know, and I didn't even know until years later that like Chet Baker, Jerry Mulligan, and Stan Getz, that was the pothead music of the day in the <laughs> late 40s and early 50s. And, you know, I didn't realize that was considered so, you know, sort of controversial music and... Um, but that, you know, very cool jazz and Chet Baker's voice and his trumpet. The Silent Night is entirely uh, instrumental. And so I have uh, stuff from that. And then I close it out with a much older uh, cut from Chet Baker, him doing Winter Wonderland, very high speed, that kind of stuff. Very, uh, huh. very upbeat mid-50s jazz. And, um, and that was from an album he did with a uh, jazz pianist, um, whose name, of course, is immediately escaping me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's my Christmas playlist. And uh, and I do listen to it. I listen to it on my phone when I'm out Christmas shopping. I listen to it, you know, and I'll certainly be listening to it uh, on Christmas Day. So I'm curious to hear what other people's uh, favorite Christmas music is, uh, particularly uh, younger artists. I'm very curious to hear, because I know there's every year people put out holiday uh, albums, and, you know, most of the ones I know are from you know, my uh, childhood and formative years. So I'm always interested, particularly uh, music with an acoustic slant to it, roots music, Americana music. Um, so if you have a fav favorite Christmas album, um, I know uh, I know Ricky Skaggs uh, has, uh, you know, there's the Skaggs Family Christmas that's not that old. Um, I am familiar with that one, but... Uh, but um, yeah, please let us know in the comments, especially if you're watching this on the YouTube version. We'd love to know what you're listening to this time of year. And Spoon, you said a mouthful. I let you go for a while and talk about a lot of good stuff there. One of the things you did say could have been used as a segue to another album that I listened to a lot and I really didn't discover until about four or five years ago. Do you want to take a quick guess what I'm going to say? Uh, no, I bet you it'll ring a bell the moment you say it, though. You mentioned Frank Sinatra. I've been listening to Christmas with the Rat Pack a lot and Frank Sinatra's Christmas album. And it's kind of funny when I do play them on shuffle. If you hear something from Vince Guaraldi and then you hear uh, Dean Martin singing, it doesn't really match at all. But those albums, even though they're sort of new to me, um, they're going way, way further back. And I guess I should ask you, you're a couple years ahead of me. If we admitted that the Charlie Brown Christmas was the mid-60s, how far do we go back to hear the Rat Pack? Oh, yeah. That's going back before, definitely before our times. Not necessarily, but as a kid, as a little kid, I didn't, you know, listen to anything like that. And, and frankly, I thought anybody, like the, any of those people who had Christmas specials with a, you know, wearing a nice sweater, V-neck sweater, like Perry Como or anybody that was wearing a jacket and tie and stuff like that seemed completely square and uncool to me so I dismissed them all at the time and you know I was in I was 100% Bob Dylan and the Beatles growing up um, you know due to older siblings that's all I listened to as a little kid and with very few exception until I've got to say until the Partridge Family album came out I did have the Partridge Family's first album I'll admit that <laughs> and uh and, for, and I got the 45 of American Pie for my birthday one year. That kind of kicked me up a little more, caught me up a little bit. But yeah, I didn't discover any of that stuff except for the cool jazz stuff and Chet Baker that my dad listened to. So uh, it's funny you should say that because Dean Martin's Christmas album is, is now considered one of the classics. And though I will always prefer Sinatra over, over Dean Martin. Um, and, but I know deep down inside that your real role model in the Brat Pack was Joey Bishop. 
Joey Bishop's the one where I said to my mom, she gave me a really great poster for the bar. I said, who's that guy? Who's the other guy? And that's that guy. So, <laughs> you know. Well, Joey Bishop wasn't the singer. He was the, the comedian that was I never thought was very funny. But then again, I never saw, I only saw his G-rated material on The Tonight Show, you know, and Dick Mike Douglas or whatever. I didn't see his Vegas show, which could have been a, a lot more interesting as they were in those days than they were on, when, the, when they were on television. But, um, wow, so if I'm keeping score at home, you just called me Square and Joey Bishop in the same paragraph. <laughs> no, I said when I was a little kid, I thought those guys were completely square and uncool. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, yeah, even Perry Como, I've, I've actually really stopped and listened to him and watched him perform on YouTube just in, like, recent months. And, of course, he's a very good singer. He wouldn't have made us whole, you know made all those years singing with big bands and, you know, but, but his stuff is, you know, I, I think is pretty white breadish and not nearly as, um, <laughs> as interesting as the arrangements that people like Sinatra or even Bing Crosby did, you know, the people that were, uh, you know, that were more, I don't know, um, bigger stars, I guess, though I'm sure there's plenty of people that will argue about that. I mean, like, for instance, I know there's people out there that listen to Elvis Presley's Christian album. My sister does. Doesn't do a thing for me, got to tell you. Um, and, I, you know... Um, Blasphemer. Perhaps, perhaps. Believe me, much rather listen to Nora Jones' Christmas album and then, then you know, uh, Elvis Presley. But, you know, to each their own. But I know, you know, Willie Nelson's got a Christmas album. Ray Charles has more than one Christmas album, I'm pretty sure. And Ray Charles is one that I remember certainly hearing a lot when I was a kid. So the Brat Pack, I wonder if that, if that Brat Pack Christmas, is that a compilation from their various albums? It sounds like it probably is. Ooh, be careful there. I think you called them the Brat Pack. Now you're thinking of the Breakfast Club guys. You're right. <laughs> Ooh, man. I did say that. I beg your pardon. <laughs> we, we forgot to say that at the beginning of the show. This show is also uh, sponsored by cough medicine and, and cold medicine and spoons in the middle of another fever dream. You are, you are like... 40 years out of out of line there sir <laughs> that's pretty funny well if if you like that kind of stuff more then i do have a christmas album to recommend for you to check out because it's called cocktail christmas christmas cocktails i just looked it up it's called christmas cocktails and it's a holiday album it's one of these compilations so but it's got people like lena horn lou rawls julie london and Nancy Wilson, Dean Martin, of course, is on there. It even has Wayne Newton doing Jingle Ball Rock. But other than that, um, <laughs> it's you know it's that kind of music, and you may find it worth adding to your to your. It's even got the Dining Sisters, who were at sort of a well that those kind of you know three girl harmony bands like the Andrew Sisters and stuff like that. Though they came a little later, and I knew I discovered them because my favorite uh, electric guitarist George Barnes. Um, actually did an album with them, and that's when I first heard them, when uh, a collector in England sent me a huge collection of MP3s of George Barn recordings uh, that included that album. But it, also has, but it also has people like The Ventures, you know, and uh, I don't know if, you, if anybody out there remembers Snowfall Cha-Cha by George Shearing, but uh, it's what? something, it's called <laughs> Snowfall Cha-Cha, but uh, it is a cha-cha uh, which, for those of you who are even younger than we are, is a, a kind of dance that people used to do um, back in the era of the the twist and conga. But um, I'm sorry, I get all my cha-chas exclusively from Sam Cooke. I will not listen to that. 
Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> okay, but I've enjoyed this. You know, I looked up some stuff, stuff I haven't heard. But when it comes to modern artists, Amanda Shires, she's got a Christmas album. So chances are, if you are into modern music, um, that's, like I said, you know, roots, country, Americana, um, but even up into uh, R&B and even rock and roll, some of your favorite artists out there must have holiday albums that you uh, either know about or listen to, and it's now finally time to come clean and, uh, and admit that you have... Uh, <laughs> Christmas albums that you like. Maybe it's Mary Chapin Carpenter. Maybe, um, I know there was an old album, it's probably not even available anymore, that I think Rhino Records put out, that was uh, called Blue Yule. And it's all like old Christmas songs, old, you know, African-American master kind of blues and R&B artists, and not Motown stuff. There's a great Motown uh, Christmas album out there, by the way, um, from, you know, probably around 1970. But or maybe a little later, but Blue Yule is more, um, you know, old older guys and uh, Muddy Watersy kind of stuff. And um, though I don't even remember who's actually on it now, but um, and let's see, the other thing I remember, my brother used to love an Irish Christmas album that was a compilation that wasn't just the Clancy Brothers or Tommy Macon, but had a, a big mix of Irish uh, people that I used to remember, uh, like, listening to. I, I'm glad I remember that, too. I'm going to look that up. I don't have that. I may want to get that, too. But, um, but um, and speaking of Christmas and the holidays, um, were you a Christmas Eve family or a Christmas Day family? Oh, don't make me choose. We did both. Ha-ha, <laughs> good man, good man. But how did that work out? Was that because one parent grew up a Christmas Eve family uh, person and the other parent grew up on Christmas Day? Well, it really worked out. We got really lucky. We lived next door to my grandpa. So my family had uh. Christmas Day. Grammy and grandpa had Christmas Eve. And this is going, I mean, it, it's all changing now, but this is going way back to we would go next door for Christmas Eve. We'd have to go to church first because while we were at church, Santa would bring the presents. And if we don't go to church, you're not getting nothing. So you have to go to church. So we would always get there at the last second and have nowhere to sit. And we'd have to stand in the balcony. And um, then Christmas morning, we would have Christmas, you know, in our own home. And then later in that afternoon, go to my mom's parents and uh, have a second Christmas. So it was kind of one Christmas Eve and then two Christmas days. And that's that lasted an, an awful long time, and it's it's really just full of so many great memories for me. How about you? Well, I can say both too because uh, my dad believed in sleeping in, so uh, <laughs> we were a Christmas Eve family. And you know, he grew up in uh, um, I grew up in his hometown, so you know, my mom was a a service bride. I won't say a war bride, but but. Um, they, uh, you know, they met when he was in the service, and she was a freshly minted uh, school teacher. And you know, they both um, met far away from where they grew up, and and then he ended up getting stationed uh, in Alaska, and this was uh, in Korean War times, and did Arctic Circle Patrol, um, and then you know came back to the hometown after that, and you know went to went to college on the GI Bill, and and. Um, and so I grew up in his hometown. So his uh, parents lived there, 
and his sister and his sister's kids. Um, but he was this, you know, this young, successful uh, guy. So they all came to our house. So everyone would come to our house on Christmas Eve and have a big to-do. And when, when we were young and our cousins were young, and then kind of the next batch of cousins from my, my sister's family that were younger than us, um, that was the big celebratory time. And then Saturday morning, you would wake up to Santa Claus's presence, which my father would get up in the middle and put up in the middle of the night so he didn't have to get up. And he was completely off limits on Christmas morning. So we had stockings. Everybody had, we had four kids. We each had our own stocking. I still have my stocking that was falling apart. That's where you got like the orange and later on like razor blades or whatever. And, and one year my, I get up, this is when I'm, in college, I'm just back for college, and my siblings replaced my candy and orange and little knickknacks with a bunch of joke stuff they bought from a, uh, there was a very famous uh, magic shop in my hometown of Finley, Ohio, where there was, and so it had stuff like ceramic dog poop and Joey <laughs> buzzers, you know, and all the, you know, felt bad, you know, bad false teeth and all that kind of stuff, so that was pretty funny. And I, when it comes to music, I'm sure my parents immediately rethought giving a uh, nine or ten year old uh, spoon a drum set. <laughs> Whoa! So it lived in the basement, so apparently it wasn't too bad on them. But I certainly wore that sucker out, but never took it seriously enough to to get anything better than the toy drum set. But I had but it no was idea. Great fun. Yeah, it was great fun. I have to say. Um, well, now we have to start a drum podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> well, I know a lot of drummers that could get on and actually know what they're talking about. But uh, <laughs> we could do a po- well, we could do a podcast about uh, f- you know drummers that we like and admire, um, which brings we could do us a around. podcast about bad gift ideas, <laughs> which bring, brings us around. I don't know if it was Rankin and Bass or not, but do you remember the Little Drummer Boy special, Christmas special that used to be on? A little bit. I didn't watch that one nearly as often. That one and Frosty got pushed to the back compared to the other ones, but I've seen it, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I can understand that it doesn't have the same pizzazz as Santa Claus is coming to town. It doesn't have, like, an evil bad guy trying to ruin Christmas and stuff like that. But uh, but um, the Heat... What's his name? The Heat Meister? <laughs> heat Miser and Snow Miser. Hit Heat Miser. Hit me Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Um, but... Uh, but yes, and I just saw a meme uh, yesterday that uh, it was looked like one of those uh, letter boards in front of a restaurant where you take the letters and you slip, slip in little slots, and it said something like, <laughs> just as uh, Mary has gotten Jesus to sleep and is ready to take a must-deserved ma- uh, nap or something like that, um, a little boy comes up uh, sure that what she needs most is a drum solo. <laughs> 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 but yes, but I have to say that song always got me as a kid. You know, when we do it in, in school, you know, Christmas pageants and and you know that always really got you know got got me verklempt and uh, and it still does. Listening to a Charlie's Brown Christmas, there is that one piece of music that is based on that, and and it's uh, 
and it just has those children's voices going rum ta da da tum ta da da tum ta da 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 da. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and then the piano comes in very ding ding ding. You know, very very simple. But it was when they were heading out across the snow, you know, to to get the Christmas tree or bring it back or whatever. Same thing. It still gives me that same you know warm teary eyed feeling. That oh. I get, I swear to this day, I cannot. When people, when you're in any of those kind of things where they're saying, okay, here's one thing, you know, you, you know, you are going to confess about yourself. And I always say that I always choke up in Linus's speech at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas. Every time. Oh, yeah. What Christmas is really about. Yeah, that's it's really, like, that's awesome. It's like clockwork, you know. And he says, oh. you know, I can tell you what Christmas is about. And he goes, steps out and he says, Lights, please, you know, in that little voice. And they hit yeah, him with a, yeah. with a follow spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, every single time. But uh, so, and so does, um, oh, have yourself a very a merry little Christmas because of Trisha Waggle. Trisha Waggle was a grade older than me when I was in fourth and fifth grade. And I loved her like a glutton loves his lunch. And, uh, <laughs> wow. and she had, you know, she was always very nice to me. She was very pretty. And then she actually left um, fairly early to go off to a performing arts, arts school or whatever and became a professional dancer in New York City and then ultimately was in the Waggles with her older sister, Janet, who was also an absolute world-class beauty. And for people who remember the show Daria on MTV, that's the Waggles yeah. doing the theme song. But they were uh -huh. a uh, kind of, you know, CBGB's era band and... And uh, we re-met in New York City, and I was just getting off stage of a cheese bead show, and this amazingly cute woman came up to me and said, that was a great show. You know, I was like, thanks. And she said, you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> and I was stuck, and it was Trisha Weigel, and boy, she certainly, oh, she wow. certainly uh, grew up to be, you know, she was every bit as pretty as Karen Allen or somebody like that, and um, one of those kind of smiles. And, and I gigged with them a variety of, like, uh, uh, AIDS benefits for with God's, God's love we deliver and stuff like that back in the day. But anyway, oh, cool. uh, Trisha, if you're out there, I'll never forget you in sixth grade doing uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and Breaking My Heart all over again. <laughs> well, I hope we don't end this show without me having an opportunity to break your heart as well. <laughs> Would you like to play 20 Questions? 20 Questions? Yes, I would like to play 20 Questions, though I think it's my turn to break your heart, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, 20 questions is the game where, in this case, the wise guy, that being me, is going to think up a Martin guitar that is available for sale and uh, out there in the world. And he is going to allow the smart guy, being Mari, uh, to ask 20 questions to try to guess what this guitar might be. And he's up allowed to have three of those guesses be uh, a model name. So 20 questions are on the clock and go. Was this guitar used to record Dominic the Christmas Donkey? <laughs> I'll give you a pass because I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Is this guitar made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania? Yes. That's one question. Is this guitar 
a six-string guitar? Yes, that's two questions. Is this guitar a 14-fret dreadnought? Yes, that's three questions. Does this guitar have pearl anywhere on the top? Yes, that is four questions. Is this guitar a Martin D42? No, that is five questions. Does this guitar have the C Martin F headstock inlay? That is a big no. It does not have the C, uh, uh, C Martin F, as you call it, block headstock inlay. Does this guitar have pearl around the fret insula? Yes, it does. That's seven questions. Is this guitar a D41? Well, it wouldn't have pearl around the fret insula <sighs> if it was. I knew it so when I said that's it. that's eight questions. <laughs> is this a special edition, limited edition? Yes, it is a special edition slash limited edition. That only counts as one question these days because they're all lumped together in the same series, as it were. Is this guitar in the Authentic series? It is not. That is ten questions. Ten questions. Is this instrument in the Modern Deluxe series? That is eleven questions, and the answer is no. Oh, because it's lim Wow, I'm not even listening to my own questions now. That's twelve questions. <laughs> <laughs> Does this guitar have anything designed by Dick Boak? As far as I know, no. I'm at the equivalent of the part of the Hallmark movie where everybody's mad at each other and they're probably not going to end up together. Well, you can start drawing the bullseye on whatever body part you're going to want to kick. <laughs> Is the top... Any kind of sunburst, amber tone, amber burst? That would be a no for 13 questions. Wow, I, I feel like when Rudolph went away to the Island of Misfit Toys and they thought he'd never come back. Well, I can, I can in the spirit of the holidays, I can let you know that the theme of this show is the holidays and Christmas. Wow. I cannot picture a guitar that's not authentic, that is a limited edition, that's got pearl on the top, that doesn't have the CF Martin logo in block. Does this guitar have pearl on the back? It does, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you told me it does not have Fred Insula pearl? It does. Oh, I'm thinking you said no. That's my own No, mistake. I said yes, it does. Is this a D42? It is not. That's two models <gasps> asked and 14 questions or 15, 14, I think. So this does have Fred Insula Pearl. It does not have the block headstock. Correct. It does have front and back Pearl. It's... Is this guitar in the standard series? No. no, it's not. It's the limited edition. Shh. <laughs> God.
It's a limited edition. I, I, I clearly don't remember what limited editions are still for sale that have pearl on the front and back. It might, in some vague way, possibly have something um, remotely related to winter or the holidays. Oh, God damn it. Is this the D45 Fire and Ice? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of something that's only a year old. The Fire and Ice is still for sale out there in the world. It, uh, even though it was a limited edition, they don't make it anymore. But, um, but oh. it has the headstock is, in fact, of an ice dragon and covered in ice in like an icy, snowy landscape with sort of like icicles hanging down uh, onto the fretboard and uh, dripping down into, melting apparently, dripping down into the, the phoenix at the bottom that has got all the fire of the fire and ice. So oh yes, with an amazing bear claw top. Um, and the pearl work was done by, uh, of course, Harvey Leach. So, and with what, in the, and I think he calls it his smoke and mirrors technique that he uses for, you know, to create shading in three-dimensional looks to them so there you have it one of the most unique and amazing martins out there um so you got it congratulations (laughs) by the skin of my teeth yes the teeth that you were pulling out of your head to get it get it (laughs) so yep madagascar rosewood engelman spruce high high uh, level of uh what do you call bear claw markings hazelcliffed or medullary rays, what different, different people call them. But, uh, yep, a remarkable collector's item um, that ain't cheap, but it is available out there in the world still for lucky uh, owners or future lucky I think owners. we have the last one. That's what threw me off. I keep thinking about guitars that I could go to Martin and see them in the museum or see them in the lobby. And, yeah, you, you answered all the right questions, but I just I got, I got tunnel vision there for too long, and I, I barely got out of that episode alive. Thank you. Yes, but this is the holiday episode, so it doesn't really count as part of the regular season. So, <laughs> yes, you did, in fact, get it after numerous hints, just saying for the record. <laughs> um, but, yes, you got it. Uh, and you do got it. You actually got it in stock. I forgot about that. So, anybody yes, who wants do. a D- Martin D45 Fire and Ice, check it out at Mari's Music, because it's uh, an amazing piece of Luthier's art. Um, so, so there we have it. So, Spoon, I can't help but throw a little bit of trivia your way. I did all that guessing, and I came up almost short. There are two tunes I want to talk about at the end of this episode by one of my favorite musicians. One of them is from the early 90s, and the other one I think is from the mid-90s, but I can't be sure. But there are two holiday songs I need to reference by one of my guys. Can you think of the artist and bonus points if you can think of either song? Well, I don't, that's a little too vague for me. So one of your favorite artists has a Christmas song. What was the rest of your hint? Uh, One of them was recorded in 1991 for a holiday album by another artist or another band. Basically, this person, this person wrote a song as he was being included on this band's holiday album in 1991. And there's also a collaboration from this same artist with another artist I, that I don't know the date. I want to say late 90s, maybe maybe mid 90s. But there are two songs 
from Christmas time. Uh, one of them would, is probably a lot more well known than the other. But I, as I talk like that, I wonder if your mind goes right to the right answer, or if you're totally no, lost. not at all. I'm I'm clueless. I'm thinking of some of your favorite artists. Um, you're talking about your one of your favorite artists that wrote a song for someone else's holiday album, but the other artist in question is also one of your favorite artists? Uh, no, not really. I should probably start okay. getting to the answers here because you're going to just get frustrated. Yep, I'm, I'm afraid I'm in the dark. All right, we're talking about Jackson Brown. I thought that would have been just my guess of Jackson Brown, but I don't remember him writing a song for a Christmas album, but go ahead. So if I tell you the song The Rebel Jesus is a Christmas song composed by Jackson Brown, performed uh, with the Chieftains, uh, uh, Irish folk wow. band, their Bells of Dublin album in 1991, Jackson wrote that song specifically for his guest appearance on that record. And if I'm being really brutally honest, it's it's quite cynical, it's it's borderline preachy, it's, it's anything but... Uh, it's the opposite of Holly Jolly. If you listen to that song, you're like, Ugh. Um, but it's very creative and it, it's a very, it's a very cool song to me, but it's, it's the opposite feeling of, uh, the positive holiday spirit. But that's the song that he wrote for the Chieftains, or I should say for his inclusion in that album. And as I'm listening to that these last few weeks, because I want to try to that on Martin versus Martin one of these times with, with Marshall, I also find the really cool version of Silver and Gold that Jackson Brown recorded with, listen to this, Inara George, who is the daughter of the late, great Lowell George. Oh, gosh, I forgot all about that, but I remember that now. See, this is why, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. When you when we first started talking about this, I started thinking about Christmas music, and there's all this great music that's how you know related to Christmas and holidays that I have completely forgotten about. So yeah, I want to get that too. I want to get that and add that to my Christmas playlist. So that so thank you for that. That was great. I um I didn't know anything about the the Chieftains project. So that's interesting. So that's something to check out. But you're absolutely right. The uh, him him doing the duet of Silver and Gold. Very 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 cool. So uh, so thank you for that early Christmas present. You're very welcome. I have lots more coming your way in season four, but I wanted to start with that. And as we wrap up this episode, I do recognize that uh, Martins and more means just that. And this episode has been nothing but more. So we are promising in season four, uh, we have lots and lots and lots of Martin content coming. Don't be fooled if this is one of the earliest episodes you're listening to. This is kind of an outlier the way we produce this show. It's almost always about Martins. Every once in a while, it's about more. And typically... Even the episodes that are about more have a lot of Martins in them. So this is holiday. This is our gift to each other. It's our gift to you. And please do stay tuned because we have so much Martin-centric content coming in season four. Uh, heck, you might be looking forward to the next time that we don't. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you there's a, several Martin players involved in the music we were just talking about. But... Uh... But yes, and I actually meant to point that out. I did mention that you know Sting plays one of his 19th century Martins on uh, on during that uh, Winter's Night concert. But I meant to mention more, you know, slip it in there more. But uh, but we'll have to save some of that for next time. And I do think that the Pointer Sisters are big Martin centric too, but I can't be sure. <laughs> and of course, Run DMC. <laughs> Well, Spoon, I'm going to give you the rest of the day off being Christmas and all. I want to end the program by each of us saying 
one of our favorite, maybe not favorite, but when you think of movies, name an iconic scene in any movie you've seen that features, it might not have to be a Christmas movie, but it's a Christmas scene. Oh, good heavens. Well, of course, I'm, I was a big It's a Wonderful Life fan, and, um, and I always remember um, George Bailey meeting Clarence the Angel, uh, partially because he resembled in my little childhood eyes my mom's grandfather. Um, and her parents would come over on Christmas Day, too, and have kind of a more traditional, uh, I guess, respectful Christmas, unlike our, in our, our wild Christmas Eves that we would have. But anyway, I'll say that, and I will also, um, and I'll also point out the ice skating scene in The Bishop's Wife. Uh, with Cary Garant as the angel coming down to help David Niven, uh, who's seeking guidance um, at, when he's trying to build a cathedral in his little town. And I read on his uh, long, dutiful wife, who becomes quite charmed by the charming Cary Grant. How's that? Well, that's good. I, I have to admit, I haven't seen The Bishop's Wife, but it's one of the older movies I do have to put on my list. Oh, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. We watched Miracle on 34th Street the other day, but I didn't see The Bishop's Wife yet. The answer I had ready was the scene in Goodfellas when they're back at the bar <laughs> after the Latanza heist. And I, I want to say this on the microphone because I want you to correct me. I think it's the Ronettes, but it's Frosty the Snowman's playing on the, on the jukebox, and it's hardly even a scene. It's, it's a very, very, very short scene and you would never qualify for Christmas. But that's what I think of for some <laughs> silly reason. I think of that all the time when I think of movies that have a piece of Christmas in them. Was that the Ronettes? Um, I don't remember, but that's that's pretty hilarious. Uh, I see now I see where you're going with that, with just like, yeah, just like oh, yeah. a little, little uh, drive-by of Christmas. Um, that's hilarious. I couldn't, I can't <laughs> believe you weren't mentioning a Christmas story. Um, I thought that was oh, high yeah. on your list. <laughs> Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. How do we not talk about that the whole time? Wow. Well. Boy, my old man. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I, I actually live near the Bumpuses as far as dog noise nonsense goes. Uh, currently in 2023, I swear they're my neighbors in real life, so that sucks. But the, the Christmas story, and, you know, we really do owe another whole episode to It's a Wonderful Life. It didn't make sense for us to talk about that from top to bottom, but I'll go on record and die on this hill. That is the best holiday Christmas movie I've ever seen, and I, I bet you a lot of people feel the same way. Well, I'm, I'm assuming you never saw Grampus, Krampus, the, uh, the horror movie <laughs> that came out a few years ago. It's awesome. Uh, well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I see that, but um, matter of fact, one of the podcasts I listened to, we were talking in last season, it's called Salem, the podcast. They just did a holiday episode. And really briefly, I forget what they were talking about, where they went in that part of the conversation. But Sarah said something like, hold on, I just had this really funny picture of the Puritans watching Bad Santa. <laughs> well, I, I only saw Krampus because my... Upstairs neighbor, who has now moved to Holland, but she was a big Halloween fan, so she would have a huge Halloween scarathon, she called it, and it was horror movies from all over the world, all day and all night. I mean, she would start at like 10 a.m. and go to after midnight, and that's where I saw Krampus one year, and it's, it's really 
surprisingly well made. And the sets are amazing because they are in this like supernatural blizzard that completely envelops the neighborhood. So the Krampus, oh. Krampus can come out and terrorize people. But uh, really remarkable art direction and stuff. So, so uh, you know, we're not talking about Nightmare Before Christmas here. We're talking about a, a, a hardcore, you know, monster movie, but still uh, <laughs> enjoyable. But anyway, on that unusual note, I'm going to saddle up the reindeer and head off into the sunset. All right. We wish you a happy and safe holiday season. Merry Christmas and any and all of what you celebrate at this time of year. Please be safe. Please be happy. And we hope to see you guys again next time. From all of us at Martins and more, thanks for listening. Hear you later.